Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it's time once again for Here We Go, the Steelers off-season show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I am the podcast producer, and with me to celebrate February, it's my good friend, KT Smith, the coach, the guy on the sidelines that knows what the Steelers should do, and I rely on him for that. Kevin, what is going on, my man? Nothing, Brian. Did you have a great uh, Groundhog Day? Is that, is that a thing in your family? Do you get uh, excited for Groundhog's Day? Well, just the fact that it's a Pennsylvania tradition, uh, you know, I love the idea of it. I don't, you know, watch the footage or anything like that, but I, I did have a good Groundhog Day because what people don't realize, spring's just around the corner or six more weeks of winter. That's the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, here here where I live down at the shore, it doesn't matter because March is going to be awful no matter what. You know, the March is the month where, you know, like the wet the weather just gets angry. It just the wind <laughs> blows and it's just it's just rough. So, so I'm not relying on the groundhog for any uh, any solace. You know, I had a when I first got into radio, the program director was from Punxsutawney, and he would talk about how in high school they would have the groundhog ball and they'd have the groundhog king and queen and it was just a huge deal and i would love to actually check that out one year i mean if you're the groundhog queen i would think that that's something that in your obituary that's probably like in the first or second line right even if you, you know, dated be... the groundhog queen, right? <laughs> yeah i mean heck yeah <laughs> that's uh that's a big big deal so uh, i love it <laughs> i i never thought of that yeah that would be. I I used to live in a town that celebrated the wild onion, well, the wild leek, but smells like an onion, the ramp. So I, they didn't have the ramp king and queen, but that would kind of stink to be the uh, the king of a smelly uh, leek. Yeah, we. I mean, we. our town has something called the doodah parade, which is a parade where you're basically like, going down the boardwalk in and doing pretty much whatever you want, which is leads to, as you might imagine, you know, <laughs> police <laughs> <pretty> involvement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some pretty outrageous, outrageous stuff. So it's kind of cool how, how lo- local areas all get their, their little traditions. That's, that's true. So let's talk to the doodah King and talk Steelers, yeah. but real quick, before we get that, have you ordered your Washington commanders Jersey yet? I I just honestly I didn't mind the Washington football team. It was actually starting to like catch with me a little bit, you know. And now the Commanders, the command Washington Commanders sounds like the name of a team that like uh, like Keanu Reeves's team would have played in unnecessary <laughs> roughness, you know. They they were actually the Washington Sentinels. Oh, the Sentinels. And, okay, okay. And I'm not trying to be correcty correctorson. But yeah. two of my favorite movies are Unnecessary Roughness, or I'm sorry, Necessary Roughness. That was yeah. the te- that was Scott Bakula and the Texas State Armadillos. Oh, now, okay. The Washington Sentinels, they were in that movie called The Replacements with Keanu. Ah, Reed. that's who it was. That's who it was. Thank you. Thank you for getting so, my bad, good, bad. We know that those movies are bad, but they're so watchable. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just watched know, it last week. Movie. Yeah, there you go. I, I love it. You got to love the underdogs. And, you know, I can even get you a Shane Falco jersey. <laughs> and- uh, Keanu Reeves has played two of the great all-time fictional quarterbacks, Shane Falco and Johnny Utah. So, Johnny I mean, Utah. Yeah. 
Utah, Ohio give State. me two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, I, we're, my wife and I are big point break fans. So, you know, I, oh, yeah. I definitely love Johnny Utah. So, yeah, Johnny Utah went to Ohio State. And yeah. I think Shane Falco fictionally went to Ohio State, too. Who knew? Who knew? I, I, I think so. That's that's something that we've got to check on. Um, with that being said, you know, I could do an entire show on both of those, all three of those movies, Point Break, Necessary Roughness, and, of course, The Replacements, but we can't. So I'll just leave this segment with this. Kevin? Chicks yes. dig scars. Glory lasts forever. <laughs> wait, 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 wait yeah. I messed it up. Um, pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. Yeah, they 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 went deep into the bag for that one. That's a, <laughs> Jeff Hardman yeah. has banned me from doing that on the show. <laughs> on the preview, yeah, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. So since this is our show, I can do that until you get sick of it. Right, break it out for a new audience. Yeah, there you go. Let's talk Steelers. The week that was, it's, uh, you know, kind of pretty quiet on the Steelers front this week. A few things happening as they're the big thing for Steelers fans is who exactly are going to be the coaches, who exactly is going to be the quarterback. And we know who the offensive coordinator is. It was, he came out and said it. Art two said it last week that, yeah, it's, it's Matt Canada. He, he, uh, said it in just a few words by saying, well, we'll see what Matt Canada wants to do, you know, but that, that says he's coming back, you know, there's a general manager search, but it's not that much of a search because that doesn't happen until May, because it'll be after the NFL draft, you know, who the head coach is. There's no change at the top, much to the chagrin of some, not to my chagrin. Cause I love coach T and I know you do as well and respect what he does. But it's the defensive coordinator and the offensive line coach. So the Steelers have had some movement with the offensive line situation. And I want to ask you about that first before we get into anything, because we are going to be talking about offensive coaches here. And it is the fact that Chris Morgan has left the Steelers and he's gone to the Chicago Bears. That means there is not an interim offensive line coach. There's not an offensive line coach and there's not an assistant offensive line coach. So that happened when Adrian Clem left for Oregon. So my question to you is why do you think Chris Morgan left? I would love to know that answer. That's that. So there's a, a range of possibilities as, as to what, what happened there. I mean, um, it could be, a, it could be a situation where the Steelers, allowed him to explore other opportunities because they didn't really give him an indication that he was going to get promoted for the job. It could be a, an issue involving scheme. Uh, I, I read a, wrote an article for the website this week about really kind of advocating for the Steelers to invest in the, the outside zone scheme, which I, I just think it's one of the most versatile schemes in football. And it's a scheme that if you look at like all the teams that are, you know, the better teams in the league right now that, that they're all running it because of not, not, not really just because of, of what it does in the run game. I think it's a great run play, but, but also what it sets up in the passing game and just getting defenses uh, stretched horizontally and running sideline to sideline and the seams that, that opens up and the opportunities that it, that it creates. I just think it's a really versatile and important play to have in your offense. And one of the things that I was talking about in the article 
um, that I liked about Chris Morgan is that prior to being in Pittsburgh, he, he coached with Kyle Shanahan in Washington and Atlanta. And Kyle Shanahan is, you know, his own game guru. He learned it from his father who, who uh, was one of the, one of really the pioneers of the scheme when he was coaching with, with Alex Gibbs back in the nineties. And uh, he, he rode the inside outside zone scheme to a couple Super Bowl titles in Denver. Mike Shanahan did behind, you know, Terrell Davis, who's a hell of a runner. And uh, so Kyle Shanahan kind of came up in that and, and he's one of the best at it in, in the business today. And, and Chris Morgan learned from Kyle Shanahan. So, so as I wrote that article, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, I mean, this is a Matt Canada loves the scheme. And uh, this is, you know, something that, that, if Chris Morgan gets promoted, I'm sure he can teach it well. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Steelers do it. And then I read that Morgan leaves. So maybe it's a, maybe it was a scheme issue. Maybe, maybe, maybe Matt Canada doesn't ha- isn't on the same page as Morgan in terms of the scheme. And maybe when Morgan like had some other opportunities and looked at Chicago, for instance, I mean, they've got an athletic young quarterback, Justin Fields. Uh, it does take a pretty good athlete uh, at quarterback to to run the outside zone scheme uh, because of all the movement and and maybe uh, you know maybe he looked at that situation and said oh it's just it just fits my strengths better so I don't really know I don't know what the answer is I don't know if it's really Pittsburgh pushing Morgan out or Morgan maybe deciding that he would excel better in a, in, in another place. All right, so sometimes three's a crowd, and in this situation, could have Mike Munchak's availability hastened this move as well yeah i mean that's you know uh, that, <laughs> i think any Steeler fan who remembers when we had uh, a successful run game they, they they know that munchak was a big part of it and there certainly is a, a love affair between pittsburgh and munchak and interesting what i was just talking about in regard to morgan and scheme fit that that was that appears to be why denver moved on from munchak because they just brought in a new head coach and and that head coach is bringing with him a philosophy that he didn't feel was well suited for what munchak likes to do now munchak's not really an outside zone guy he's he's a big uh like gap power you know he wants to he wants to block down get kick out get guys at the point of attack and play really physical football and you know it's kind of in that old school fashion some people think that you know that's enough that the Steelers would be better suited with that scheme with Najee Harris as their running back who 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 admittedly did struggle at times in in the zone scheme this year and maybe he'd be better as a as a gap back where you kind of have more of a predetermined hole or you're following a, a lead blocker or something along those lines you know so so very interesting. I mean, I think it's going to tell us a lot. This is what this is the thing I really want, want to talk about with the line coach. It's going to tell us a lot who they hire because if the Steelers are, are, are really doing this right, they're going to marry whoever they hire to the scheme that Canada wants to run. I mean, this, this past year was just mismatches all over the place, you know, mismatches between Canada and Ben. And when I say mismatches, I mean in terms of the fit with the, the staff and the personnel, you know, Ben Absolutely. and Canada. Yeah, you know, Ben and Canada, bad fit. Clem and Canada, bad fit. So whoever they hire, they got to fit him to Canada's vision since they seem to have committed themselves to Matt Canada. So if you were going to put odds on it, you would probably think that Mike Munchak is not coming back because of that reason. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, mean, I always our point of reference for Canada is still really what he did as the college coordinator, because the more you look at what, what he did this year, the more you realize it was, you know, a really awkward balancing act between his offense 
and what Ben could do. And as the season wore on, it just became more and more about Ben. So I don't think we've really seen Matt Canada's scheme or system other than, you know, the shifts in motions and the window dressing that people talk about. But we haven't really seen him, you know, dive into, you know, the things that he really likes to do. And so he did a lot of different things. You look at Canada as a college coordinator, everywhere he went, he had like sort of a different, a different scheme that he fit to the personnel. I mean, when he was in Wisconsin, he was running power football. I mean, it was line up, block down, kick out. It was Mike Munchak stuff, 22 personnel. They ran the heck out of the football. They were great doing it. And in, you know, in that pit, it was a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors and razzle dazzle. And, you know, he did, he, he kind of adapted. So I think if the Steelers think Munchak's the guy, and if Munchak's open to coming back, they'd be stupid not to not to rehire him. And 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 what he does well, Canada can certainly do well also. Very interesting stuff. This is definitely something that we are going to be talking about. Then you have the defensive coordinator, which uh, haven't heard much about that. But with some of the movement around the league with coaches being fired and hired and moving around, there might be some more information coming up. On that is Terrell Austin, the guy, are they just uh, looking at some coaches just to be sure we are going to talk about that more next week as we focus on the offensive side of the ball. But I really wanted to talk about Mike Munchak's situation with possibly coming in because it seems like a lot of fans have made that a foregone conclusion saying that, you you know, I mean, oh, yeah, he's free. We're free. We should hook back up together. But, you know, that doesn't always happen. How many times have you been out of a relationship? Not you, but a, a person, the listener, um, been out of a relationship and the other person's out of a relationship and you still don't get back together, you know, because you've moved on to different things. So that's something that we are going to definitely keep an eye on here. If you've noticed the title of the show, it's the Steelers Man in the Mirror. And we are looking at the song from 33 years ago that hit number one in the spring of 1988. Of course, it was from the album Bad, No Relation. It was not about me, Uh, but Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. And the whole crux of that song is if you want to make a change, you got to start with yourself. You've got to look at the man in the mirror. So with that being said, we are looking at self-evaluation of the Steelers. And we're going to start on offense. And a lot of that is how they break down scheme, determine strengths and weaknesses, so on and so forth. And that's the coaches. So with that being said, how do the Steelers on offense look in the mirror, Kevin? Yeah. So, so one thing Brian and I talked about when we, when we were planning how to proceed with this show in the, in the off season was that we, we said we wanted to kind of tie each episode to where the Steelers are, in their process in the off season. And, and this week is the senior bowl. So there's a lot of guys down there, but we're not going to talk about college guys in the draft right now, because there's plenty of time to do that later in the off season. What the Steelers have really been doing prior to this week, prior to heading down to the senior bowl is they've been doing their self-evaluation, which is, which is a process that every, every team, every program goes through when the season's over where you self scout and you basically take uh, everything that you did, uh, include which involves scheme and personnel, uh, and you you evaluate, you look at it, you scout yourself the way that you would scout an opponent. You look for your own tendencies, you look at your strengths and your weaknesses, 
Uh, you're charting everything that that worked and everything that didn't. Uh, you're basically, you know, putting up a if I can relate it to, you know, a work of fiction, a storyboard. You know, you're storyboarding your own your own stuff and you're and and you're you're looking at what you want to keep and what you want to move on from. And so, you know, that's really, that's, that's, that's a lot of, that, that's an incredibly valuable thing for a staff to do. If you're not self-aware and, and if you're not aware of your own strengths and weaknesses and you don't have a plan to accentuate the, you know, those things, the good and, and fix the bad, then, you, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get caught or, or, or left behind because the NFL is a 365 day a, a year uh, league. So, so yeah, that's an, that's an, it's an, it's an, an exciting thing too, uh, to be able to do that because, you know, you, you're full, you're filled with new, new ideas. And, um, so that's one of the things that obviously they're doing and we're going to start to, to kind of break the team down. How aware do you think Mike Tomlin is on a scale of one to 10 in looking in the mirror, but analyzing the people behind him in the mirror, the assistant coaches? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think he's, I think he's pretty good at it. I, He's moved on from some coaches in the past when he when he's felt he's needed to. I think anybody listening to that is might be saying like, well, you know, it's Bobby April of like compromising pictures of him. You know, <laughs> why is he not moved moved on there yet? Uh, and he, he seems to have a they seem to have a good relationship. But um, I don't know, you know, I don't know how Mike Tomlin manages his coaches. I love how he manages his players. He, he's always struck me as a guy who didn't micromanage. Now it seems like in the last couple of years, uh, he, he crept in a little bit more with the defense, and you know we all know now that he really was the defensive signal caller that Keith Butler wasn't. But for the most part, he's always struck me a guy uh, as a guy who let his coaches coach, and I think that that's one of the reasons why he he's a a, a popular coach. Um, but but where he is right now, you know, I mean, I think I thought he made the toughest call that that he had to make this year already, which was to basically tell Adrian Clem to leave uh, knowing that he was going to have to, that was going to disrupt the seasons, uh, the, the, the continuity of the offensive line in the middle of the season, but it was a very smart move on his part to not let Clem finish it out because uh, clearly still, you know, Clem had one foot out the door and the Steelers couldn't head into the postseason with a, with an offensive line coach who was focused on something else. So he made a tough call there, uh, and he'll have to make some some important calls, like you said, with the O line and the defense coordinator. That is uh, some great analysis, and I really appreciate that. We are going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we will be back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers' off-season show. Stick around. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers offseason show. I am Brian Anthony Davis, Kevin T. Smith, K.T. Smith. What is the T for again? You've told me, and I, I is it Thermont? It's something, it's Thatcher. It's Thatcher, it's right? Thatcher, yes. There great. we go. I knew it was something. It, I, I figure, I kind of think of the name like Thatcher is regal to me. So I'm not very, making very fun British. of your name. 
Yeah. No, no, no. Very. My grandmother and grandfather were about as proper as you could possibly uh, as you could possibly get. So uh, it was a, a, interesting growing up with a, with very strict English grandparents. Well, my wife did the same thing, so it's it's really interesting uh, as well. But let me ask you this: Did anybody ever guess that in the game? Mm, guess Thatcher. Yeah, that is, that is not a name that anybody ever goes to. Thomas, so they about Thomas, Kevin Thomas. No. So you probably got Thomas and Timothy, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, I, I, I always liked it. I always thought that it had a good, a good ring to Smith's Such a boring last name. You're a Davis, <laughs> you know. We've got these common yeah. names that you needed something, you know, exciting there. Spruce it up a little bit. That's why I go by Brian Anthony Davis because Brian Davis has become like a John Smith, you know. Yeah it's become there's so many and my dad's name was william so there were tons of bill davises in his era you know and he still gets it mixed up <laughs> and there's a there's a table problem. but i go by uh brian anthony davis that's funny so we've got kt smith and well how many times have you been uh, mistaken for uh, Silent Bob? Uh, you know, uh, oh, did you direct Clerks? Yeah, I did. I did. Thank you. I directed Clerks. Yeah. <laughs> I say it all the time. You know what I like when people say, like, oh, Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. Do you know uh, Rick Smith? I got a book. <laughs> you know, Rick? Like, yeah, yeah. Rick's my cousin. Yeah. You know, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. One last question, just because this was fun. Every town has a Smitty. Have you ever uh, been called Smitty? That was my college nickname. I hated it. Hated it <laughs> so much. You know, it was like, and then of course my, one of my roommates last name was Sullivan. So he was Sully. So it was like Smitty and Sully. We could not, have, we could not have been any more stereotypically boring. You know? <laughs> See, for me, I've always, I've always been with Smitty. I'm like, I don't know if I trust Smitty. Yeah. <laughs> Smitty's always got some kind of scam going on. Some side, side scam, no doubt about that. <laughs> Smitty's always got like a fake ID that you could buy or. You know, Sully's always drunk. I mean, that's just how it is. <laughs> Man, we should have we should have really waited till next week for this whole Smitty conversation with Danny Smith Jr. I so for sure. But we're talking about the offense, and so we want to talk about awareness. And we've talked a little bit about that in the first half. And what went wrong? In we already talked about what went wrong with the offense as far as the offensive line goes. So the question is, why did Canada's offense struggle so much and how do they correct it? Well, so much of it goes back to the offensive line. Uh, I mean, there's two huge elements in play here. One is the play of the offensive line, which, which limited Canada's scheme tremendously. I was talking about the outside zone play earlier. And one of the biggest reasons they didn't run much of that was because they just didn't have the guys to do it. I mean, one of the things upon which that play hinges is having a, a, an offensive tackle who is physical enough to set the edge. And they, they just didn't have that. I mean, I think Dan Moore Jr. was okay uh, in that sense, but he certainly needs, needs to grow a little bit more as a rookie, uh, get a little bit stronger, more physical, uh, but he's, he's shown some promise. Uh, Chooks a core for, he's just not, he's just not physical enough. You know, he's not an edge setter. The times where they do try to, try to kind of run to the edge where he has to be real physical, either blocking down or, or reaching and, and flattening out that edge player. He just can't do it. So, I mean, there was that limitation. And then, there, you know, then the passing game was limited by the inability to, to hold in protection for very long. 
um, you know, I was breaking down some of their passing game film this year or this week. And uh, it's incredible how, how infrequently they were able to throw the football to the intermediate or deep middle of the field because of uh, the inability of, you know, the, the line to protect long enough to let those routes develop. And then when you throw on top of it, Ben Roethlisberger's immobility and the inability to, to run any play action or for him to improvise a little bit any, to, to let those routes develop or for Canada to get creative in any way that involved moving the quarterback around, just couldn't do any of that stuff. So, so I think I'm not a big apologist for Canada, but I do sympathize in the sense that he was really hamstrung by the limitations up front and at quarterback. So let me ask you this. How long does it take to get the right personnel in now? Basically, the question I'm asking you is if this is a personnel situation, and it really seems like it is, and I do want to go ahead and cite Jeffrey Benedict and have the the article, have the Buffalo Bills fired Matt Canada yet? And basically saying they ran the same thing, they just had the right personnel. So Mm -hmm. what kind of window does this man have? That's a good question, because when I look at the most successful offenses in the league, Usually they're married to a system. You, you look at, at Kansas City and they've Andy Reid had a West Coast mentality as a quarterback or as a, a for his quarterback. And he brought with Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator. They, they bought interestingly enough, they they studied Canada's college stuff and, and bought in on a lot of his shifts, motions and those types of things. And then they went out and they found all the pieces that, that they could marry to to that vision Shanahan like we talked about is an outside zone guy and he's he's you know built San Francisco with uh, some athletic offensive linemen and some slasher type running backs who are really good for that scheme and you know a quarterback Jimmy G but now really Trey Lance whose athleticism is going to really complement that scheme very well uh, I've talked about Matt LaFleur in Green Bay last week and and the great job that he's done actually helping Aaron Rodgers improve by adding complexity to that offense. And those guys all have a system that they really are married to. And then they, and then they went out and they found the players for that system. The tricky thing with Canada is like I mentioned earlier on the show, everywhere he went in college, he kind of adapted his scheme to the personnel on hand or to the guys that, that he, he, he could work with. So That'll be interesting to see because right now we have a mishmash, so to speak, of, of, of talent on the Steelers. You've got some guys who are better suited for Roethlisberger, and then you've got some other guys who are not. And so they got to make a decision fast. And that's why I said uh, what I said about the offensive line coach. They need to marry the O-line coach to Canada's vision. And they need to do the same thing for the players that they bring in or otherwise they're going to run into some similar problems that you face this year. So with that being said, they're definitely going to be looking at, at him. They're definitely going to there. Cause there's a lot of people right now, Kevin, that are like, yeah, they should have let him go, but you can't be one and done. If you don't, it basically you're, you're given a guy the full kitchen and you're not giving them the right ingredients in the pots and pans. So, yeah, you, you know, you, if you talk about letting him go, who are you going to bring in? Who, who are you going to bring in? That's going to be able to inherit this offense, which is clearly an offense in transition uh, and make it work. You're going to get Mason Rudolph as your quarterback this year. I mean, unless the Steelers do something kind of stunning, like maybe they trade for Garoppolo, which is probably something that a lot of Steelers fans don't want to hear, but that's something that's being kicked around out there. All right. They could trade for him. Well, you got to give up draft capital one. 
And two, he's got he's got a 25, $24, 25000000 million contract for next year that you're going to have to inherit most of, which is going to eat up a lot of your available cap space. I mean, are you going to do that for, for Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem to make sense to me. So it feels like they'll bring in, you know, like a lower level veteran, maybe a Jacoby Brissett who's worked with Canada in the past and and let him maybe push Rudolph. But Rudolph's going to be your guy. Is there another offensive coordinator out there that could get more out of Mason Rudolph than Matt Canada, who's already worked with him for two years? No, I don't, I don't think so. So basically what you're saying is the quarterback situation really affects how Canada's offense runs and that's, they've got to marry the right guy into it. So I like you saying that about Garoppolo, because I just don't think you want to give up with, with all of the cap room you have, you don't really want to give up that kind of uh, money for him. And you will, and you don't want to have to give up a third round or a fourth rounder because you just don't have them to spare because of the Akello Witherspoon deal, because of the uh, deal last year with Avery Williamson. And don't forget louder milk, even though I love louder milk, but you lost a fourth rounder this year because of it. You're going to have some other draft picks in there, but you probably need all of them for this whole thing to work. So a guy like Jacoby Brissett would come on the cheap. Another guy that only made three and a half million dollars last year is Marcus Mariota. And if something happens that David Carr stays put, he could be on the move as an, as an unrestricted free agent. And that's a guy that nobody's go. People are groaning right now as we're recording this. Cause I, I know they're groaning in their car when they hear me say that name. But the thing is you don't need a sexy quarterback you need the right quarterback for Matt Canada's system. And I think Mariota could be that kind of guy right now to bridge the gap while you make decisions on the future. Clean up that line. You're going to hear me say that a million times this offseason in the next couple of months. You clean up that line, you help the defense, and you let the quarterback situation play out based on what's going to fit Matt Canada's scheme. Uh, I'm all in on that. I mean, they're they're in a, a a good position right now because you got Mason Rudolph on on a rookie deal still, so you're not dropping a lot of money on the quarterback. If you bring in a Mariota or a Brissett, you're bringing in a guy like you just said who's fairly cheap, and now you can spend all that cap money to you know maybe actually sign a, a marquee free agent or two, which is something to steal. You know, they usually wait for for later on when they're getting guys you know kind of in that second and third tier. Um, and, you know, oftentimes the Steelers get what they pay for in free agency. They very rarely sign a second-tier guy who turns into a first-tier player. So they might actually now have the opportunity to go get some first-tier guys, and they can sort of build the, you know, elsewhere, strengthen the roster so that, the, that when, they're, when they're ready to make the move for that franchise quarterback, then they're bringing them into a good situation. The other thing, real quick, if I can just backtrack real fast on the offensive coordinator question, is this. If you're, if you're a good young offensive coordinator – um, is this a job you want right now? You know, is, is Pittsburgh a job? Now, granted, Pittsburgh is still a marquee franchise, no question about that. And, and there's probably lots of people who would love to come work for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But in terms of being an offensive coordinator, who if who if you're if you're looking at this as like this is this is maybe my shot. Do you feel confident enough in in the talent that the Steelers have assembled right now uh, to be able to say like you know, hey, that, I really want that job. I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know if the answer is yeah. I don't know if you get excited about Mason Rudolph or Jacoby Brissett or Marcus Mariota as your, as your quarterback with a line that's clearly in transition and a receiving core that's probably going to lose 
you know, two of its top four rotation guys and lots of question marks, you know? So, so I, I think part of the appeal of Canada right now is, is that I don't know if there's other guys out there who, who are really clamoring for this job. You know, it's funny that you say that and everything that you say has merit. I'm jumping at this job. If I'm an offensive coordinator that needs to prove himself. And the reason I'm thinking that way is this, the team has come out and said that they are going to, they are hell bent on fixing that offensive line. Last year, they said they were hell bent on fixing the running game. They did not fix the running game, but they brought in the right running back. So they've got the right running back here. Now they've got to help him. And that also, that also helps out when you get the quarterback in and you know, they're, they're focused on bringing in the right guy. Like I said, it doesn't matter whether it's Jacoby Brissett or if it's Mason Rudolph, as long as they fit the system, because if it's Ben Roethlisberger for another year, you don't, because that means that you're still in that holding. You're basically a lame. They were basically a lame duck team last year because of Ben Roethlisberger with that offensive coordinator. It did not, it was a square peg, a round hole, and that's no disrespect to anybody. It's just, that's just marrying the wrong person. And really, so that wasn't a match made in heaven because it, it doesn't work because you can't, when you're 39, you can't change your ways. And it's kind of hard to adapt that system to that 39-year-old quarterback when you don't have the right line. But when yeah. you go into that meeting with that team, and they're telling you, it's like, hey, we've got these plans, and this is what we're going to do. And they're not the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not the Houston Texans. They're the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin, who's been there for 15 years. Then you're thinking, hmm, yeah, this is a tried and true organization. I'm going to believe that they have a plan in place. And I'm also going to look at the fact that they had a subpar roster and still went to the playoffs last year. Yeah, no, those are all good points. I just wonder, well, well one more thought on Canada real quick. It, don't you, I, I feel like they had to have known that in, unless it was an absolute complete disaster, and maybe there's some people who are like, who are about to say it was, but unless it was an absolute complete disaster, they were going to bring Canada back for a second year simply because they understood that when, when the decision was made to bring Roethlisberger back last year, that they, that it was a bad fit between him and Canada, and that and that how could you fairly evaluate Canada unless you gave him some of the pieces he needed to make his offense successful? So so if they had moved on from Canada after this season and after really what they'd given him to work with, then my thought would have been, well, it was really just you know they weren't going to. They were they were not committed to him to begin with because they obviously weren't ready to, uh, you know, do the things that were necessary for him to be successful. So so it always felt to me like he was coming back. You know, your points about the about, about if there was a, a young marquee offensive coordinator out, out there. I mean, those are certainly good points. I just I would just be nervous if I were in that position of of saying to myself, man, if I got one shot, you know, is this is this the best situation for me right now? Uh, just transition makes people nervous, you know, and we're certainly in a, in a, in a period of transition. Well, the one last thing I want to say about Matt Canada is if you don't bring him back, then you're the Cleveland Browns. You're the Jacksonville Jaguars. My gosh, you're H- the Houston Texans with David Cully. You know, you're, you're not giving anybody a chance to, you just, 
not every team has success with a new scheme or a new head coach, especially right away. It takes time to build up. My goodness, Chuck Knoll, one in 13. And he won his first game as a coach against the Detroit Lions in 1969, then lost 13 straight. You know, if that's the Cleveland Browns, they, they fire him. And you right. don't get what you got. It right. takes a while in every job to go through growing pains and to put together a system. And that's why yeah. I, lo- I like the fact that they they're sticking with the system and they know deep down as fans, we're like, yeah, it didn't work. Time to move on to something else. No, you just don't throw it out because you didn't have the right fit. Now they're coming to Matt Cannon and saying, all right, we're getting all the tools for you. Now's your chance. So I think the window is two years for this. I don't even think it's, it could be one year on Matt Canada. I think it's almost has to be two to see what he could put together because it's a complete transition on the offensive line and in the offense with this scheme. But the great thing about the whole thing is those men that will be suiting up that wore black and gold last year, they've had some experience in this scheme and they're going to see so many cool new wrinkles in this scheme that they're like that they're probably really excited about. So I'm interested to see how this goes too. Yeah. Hey, now now here's where when we talk about all right, where are the Steelers in the offseason? Okay, well, they're in the self-evaluation period. Part of that self-evaluation period is discovery, you know, looking at, at what you did and and discovering sort of some conclusions about it. But a big part of it is problem solving. So much of coaching is problem solving. And and the problem that Mike Tomlin has to solve right now is if he's if they are committed to Canada, which it appears they are, and uh, he needs to be able to help Matt Canada solve the problems that the offense faced this year. And so one of the things Mike Tomlin needs to be able to do right now is to be able to sit down with Matt Canada and say, okay, what do we need to, to get this right? Right? What is your vision for fixing these problems? And and how how do I help you with this process? And you know, obviously the you know the obvious things are going to be the line and the quarterback, but there's going to be lots of other things. There's going to be things that that involve uh, you know, specific scheme work. There's going to be things that involve replacing wide receivers, personnel. One of the things that I looked at this uh, in, in my film study was the Steelers were horrendous in the run game when they asked receivers to be inline blockers. And they did it a, a lot. They, they ran a lot of bunch sets. And, you know, bunch sets are when you take three receivers and you, and you group them in real tightly and you pack them close to, to the line of scrimmage generally you know, a yard or two off the offensive tackle. And, and, and the Steelers throw the ball overwhelmingly out of bunch sets. I mean, they throw the ball like 80% of the time. But when they do run the ball out of bunch sets and they want to run to the edge, the inside receiver in that bunch has to become a down blocker. And he's got to basically block down a lot of the times on an edge player, which could be an outside linebacker, or he might have to climb to an inside backer. And, you know, a lot of times in their scheme, they, they had like Ray Ray McLeod doing that. And, and it just was not working. And so if I'm like Mike Tomlin right now, I'm going to Matt Canada and I'm saying like, Matt, you know, this, this, we can't ask players to do things that they're not capable of doing. Ray, Ray McLeod cannot block down on an, on an NFL edge player. So are we, are we going to keep this scheme? We're going to scrap this scheme. And if we're going to keep it, what do we need to do to get a guy in that spot, you know, who can do it well. And, and those are the types of problems that need to be solved right now as we go through this discovery process. So through this discovery process, do you feel like 
this team is really, I mean, in your gut, do you feel they're really equipped to answer these questions, look in the mirror and go ahead and put this together and really advance? Well, well, this is going to be one of the most interesting off seasons of Mike Tomlin's tenure, because in the past, the questions that he's had to answer have all revolved around you know, a franchise that had the, the bedrock at quarterback that, that had number seven. And, and he solved a lot of problems. You, you knew that you were com- going to be competitive because you had Ben Roethlisberger. Now you've got the, the bigger question of the quarterback situation hanging out there. So, so they got to get all these little things right. You know, they, they can't afford to be in situations next year where they're running dead plays, where, where they're running sweeps to a bunch set where the wide receiver can't down block. And now it's second and 13 because the edge player just beat him across his face and tackled Najee Harris for a three yard loss. Cause it's second and 13 and Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be there to bail you out. So I think that the, the pressure on Tomlin to be able to be a great problem solver this off season and be able to sort of troubleshoot if we want to use kind of a more modern term, you know, uh, is going to be huge on, on him. It's a huge, it's, it's probably the biggest off season so far. Uh, of his of his tenure and i am so excited to watch it play out and watch it play out with you we're going to do the same type of thing next week with the defense kevin and we're also going to preview the super bowl and i'm going to give you a week to answer that question can you actually root for an nf excuse me an afc rival especially the who day Bengals? we'll answer that all and more next week kevin but thank you so much for today All right, man. That was great. Enjoyed it, Brian. All right, buddy. For Kevin Smith, I am Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Check out BTSC for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers news, breakdown, everything you absolutely want, even on the podcast side, too, with three original shows each and every day. We ask you to do three things. Be safe, be true to yourself, and always be behind the steel curtain. We'll talk to you next week.